Hey everybody. So before we get into this week's podcast, I want to make an announcement. We are now on Instagram. If you go to at HBCU Band Experience on Instagram and follow us, you'll get all the updates on our latest episodes and just get a list of who has been on the podcast so far. So with that said, I know you all are just itching to hear a story of somebody who played clarinet in an HBCU band. I mean, I know you all have been waiting for this. Well, I have been waiting for this because this is my instrument. So I can't believe I haven't had somebody who actually plays my instrument at this point in the podcast. But here we are. So this week, we're going to have LaToya Brooks. LaToya Brooks not only played clarinet for Clark Atlanta, she served as a drum major. So I've got my first female drum major. I've got my clarinet player. I'm good to go. So she has a lot of good stuff going on in her life. It's just going to be fascinating to listen to where HBCU band has taken her actually from Atlanta to Hollywood so with that said here is my interview with LaToya Brooks so how you doing LaToya I'm wonderful how are you I'm good I'm good so LaToya has had a really interesting um life in that you know she's she's a female drum major which is really good a female drum major of an HBCU band and you have gone on to do like a lot of great things so we are going to go ahead and get into it so tell me about where you're from like where's your hometown and and all that good stuff born and raised in Atlanta Georgia okay and what high school did you go to like the illustrious Benjamin Elijah Mays High School <laughs> it's funny everybody I talk to Atlanta from Atlanta will give you the full name of their high school oh yeah <laughs> so all right so your main instrument is flute or is it clarinet, clarinet. Mm-hmm. okay I knew it was a, a woodwind instrument so when did you start playing the clarinet were you like in sixth grade third oh okay yeah I started, I played piano. Everybody was required in my family to play piano. So I started that in about second grade. And then um, third grade is when they started band when I was in elementary school. So I had a family friend pass down this really old raggedy Bundy and I put that thing to work. And I honestly, I played that Bundy all the way up until high school. Like it was falling apart in marching band. It was the worst. So I didn't get a real clarinet until maybe my senior year in high school. So that Bundy mm. took me through my entire band career for real. So do you come from a musical family? Because you say like everybody in your family had to do that. Tell, tell me about that. Well, most of most of my family sings. So the piano thing was like my, my grandmother, rest in peace. She was an organist and a pianist. So everybody had to play, had to take piano lessons. So everybody had some kind of piano fundamental, you know, background, but most of them just sing. I was actually the first person to do band, you know, like the instrumental side of music. So yeah, everybody's musically inclined. I'm just the only one that plays instruments for real. Okay. Okay. And what made you pick the clarinet? Was it the convenience of having the instrument passed down to you? Basically, <laughs> it didn't matter what I wanted to play. Somebody was like, here's a clarinet, give it to Toya. So that's what I ended up playing. Yes. Yes. Okay. So in high school, were you drum major or, you know, did that not happen until college? 
man, such a subject. So <laughs> when I was in high school, I wanted to be drum major, but they were appointed in high school. And up until I left Mays, there really hadn't been any girl drum majors. He was always appointing dudes. Literally the year I left, he appointed a girl. Anyway, not bitter, but <laughs> I did, I was student director before I left. Drum major didn't happen until CAU. Okay, okay. So yeah, we're gonna get to that. So it, by being a student director, did that make you want to be a band director? Had you always had sights on that? So it's really funny. When I was in sixth grade for career day, um, there was an engineer who came and talked to us about his career and how much money he made. And in sixth grade, I was like, oh, I'm going to be an engineer because I want to make a lot of money. I don't like math and I don't like science, <laughs> but I didn't register all of that at the time. Went to Mays for their math and science track because I was focused on being an engineer. My band director was like, how in the world are you gonna major in engineer engineering when all you do is music and i was like oh yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so he was like i you know i can't tell you what to do but you are destined for something in music so that's when i switched to music like i wanted to do or not necessarily be a band director because i didn't want to teach then but i knew it had to be something in music at that point Okay. Okay, good. So Clark, Atlanta. I mean, I know you're born and raised in Atlanta and, you know, Clark is right down the street. So tell me about your college choice. Actually, I was going to FAM. Yeah. I had my room assignment and everything. Really? <laughs> it, was, okay. it was crazy. Yes, ma'am. I was going to FAM. But like, you know, in HBCU programs, which I absolutely love, a lot of the band directors come to your school and audition you right there on the spot which it means a lot. It meant a lot to me because it felt like they wanted me at their school. It, I know it's like now knowing what I know, it's like a recruitment thing. I'm trying to get you to come to my school, but it mm -hmm. felt like they genuinely want me there. They came to my school and auditioned me. So fam didn't come to the school. <laughs> Everybody mm -hmm. else did. And so I auditioned for quite a few people. And my mom's thing was whoever's paying for school, that's where you're going. So mm -hmm. I had offers from everywhere some people were paying in full uh i think alabama a&m offered me a full ride and i was like okay i'll i'll go there i didn't really honestly if it wasn't gonna be fam i, I didn't really know where else to go and so the jazz orchestra director from clark atlanta uh, i played at some event with the jazz band and he was there and he was like i i need her I told my mama I, I need her at cau and I was like, oh, I know it's people at CAU, but y'all expensive. You know, I don't know right. if I want to, I don't know if y'all can not say afford me, but I don't know if I can afford to go to Clark. So he auditioned me. And then I'll never forget in my audition with for Jazz Orchestra, Mr. Camp, rest in peace. He mm -hmm. came into my audition and auditioned me for marching band. And they were like, we could pay for you to, to, to go to Clark for free. My mama said, oh, okay, well, that's where she going. I was like, dog, I didn't even get to think about it. There was no discussion. She was like, you're in Atlanta, so you can, if you can't stay on campus, you can always stay home. It's the best thing. That's where you're going. I don't regret anything, but that it, it wasn't like where I was going initially. Oh, wow. Wow. That is, that is very interesting. And I think what surprises me about that is, 
that fam you didn't come to your high school because I feel like a lot of people from your high school end up marching for fam. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's partly why fam was the choice because there was like a long line of people before me. That's all the people who came back to help us during band camp, like Akil Mason, he's like mm -hmm. a legend down there, you know, Neil Crossland. Those are the people who were helping us at Maze. So, you know, I didn't really, I knew about other programs, but you had people who were there with you who were from FAM. That's all I, that's all I knew. Okay. So did you play, you said about jazz orchestra, did you play clarinet and jazz orchestra? Yeah. So for jazz orchestra, I had to play saxophone. Like saxophone had to be your main instrument and then you double on clarinet. Well, I didn't play saxophone. Mm -hmm. I walked in the first rehearsal and it was like, here's your sax. <laughs> it's just like clarinet. Go ahead and play it. It was rough initially, but it, it is very, very similar to clarinet. So I picked it up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but that was that those first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, I don't I don't know what decision I've made for myself. But <laughs> I don't know if this is the right one. Right. Uh, it was a great experience. Though. That was that was the one thing that sparked me to play so many other instruments, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what other instruments do you play? I mean, well, I know, um, I know, I know you have a, a degree in music. So, I mean, all band directors play a little bit of everything. Everything. But like, which, which ones would you claim? Okay, so I claim saxophone now after years in a jazz, jazz orchestra. I marched baritone. So you marched baritone at Clark? I sure did. Okay. It was funny because... And if he ever hears this podcast, he might, might deny it. But my section leader, Charles Reeves, um, <laughs> he did not want me in the section because it was all dudes. And so I was like, I want to try it. You know, I took private lessons with Mr. Camp so I can get better. I was diehard, right? And then I hit my first B flat above the staff. And then everybody was like, yes. And then I became drum major the next year. So. Oh, my gosh. So. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to back up a little bit. So let's back okay. up. We're going to get to the drum major part. Okay. So, so talk about like your first year at Clark. So was there a big adjustment? Did you have camp or pre-drill? We have pre-drill. I will say the first year I got there was the first year Mr. Young got there fall 98 and it was a transition year so coming <clears throat> they changed band directors so much you know it mm. was it was just we walked into the band room and it it was really nobody there and so it was kind of like you know almost like everybody him having to reestablish the program I wasn't used to that because Mays at the time we marched 128 religiously and right. even if there were more people that wanted to be in the band we would cut it down to 128 so i just what that's what i thought band was you know what i mean so i mentally just didn't even know i was like man small bands can we really go up against these other schools it was i don't want to say scary but it was it was difficult to process initially but mr young is a genius yo um <laughs> an absolute genius he genuinely has the Midas touch. Like everything he touched turns to gold. We worked that first year. Pre-drill was very challenging. 5 a.m. report time was very new to me. And then that was the 
I don't know if that was the first year, but we all stayed in the new res, which is like a apartment style dorm. Um, so everybody was in the same place. We all woke up together. We all roomed together. That bonding experience was probably the best part of pre-drill. That's where the relationships grew. You know, we are truly a family because we live together. You know what I'm saying? Maybe not in the same room, but we are all here together. So 5 a.m. report time. I've never worked that hard for band in my life. <laughs> um, we would be outside early in the morning before I eat my breakfast. Um, we work out. <laughs> we work out or do marching fundamentals early. We march to the calf for breakfast, and then we come back, do some rehearsal stuff. We do sectionals, then march to lunch then come back and then do it again and then march to dinner and come back. It was like you were with these people all day, every day. Um, and then the little breaks that you did have, you were trying to get just a few minutes of sleep because we went all night, like 5 a.m. wake up. And sometimes that thing will go to like 9, 10, 11, mm -hmm. whatever. You know, people thought we were insane. They truly thought we were insane. And at the time, I, I kind of thought we were insane, too. Like, are we really marching back to get food? We can't, you know. But it was, I guess, I, I looking at it now, having been a band director, I truly value that experience. Every life lesson I feel like I value right now, I learned from band. And probably right. that first year, because, you know, you learn to... You learn time management. Am I going to go to sleep right now or I'm going to practice this passage that I know he's going to quiz me on? Or like songs. We had about 50 songs at the end of pre-drill. It was bananas. <laughs> it was like, and you know, at the time you're like, I can't learn all of this music. And I, like right now, Rolling Thunder, I tell all my former students, yo, Rolling Thunder is like muscle memory right now. Yeah, because muscle memory. It, you know, that, I can play half those songs in the book and not even realize that I can. You know what I'm saying? Because he was just running that stuff down over and over again. So you don't really realize how strong you are, you know, how um, talented the group really was until like the first game, you know what I'm saying? When we still there, the lights are off, the band done left, and we still got 20 more songs to play, you know? Right. It was... Yeah, so tell me about the um the first year. Who were your rivals? Was it, it was Morehouse, right? Like your Morris big rival? Morris Brown. Morris Brown, okay. Morris Brown and Morehouse. The I guess it was pretty equal. Definitely Morris Brown, though. <laughs> okay. It was like, because Morris Brown was like aggressively rude. Like, nah, forget that. We gonna play right over you. You know what I'm saying? We had our little 50-piece. You know what I'm saying? Trying to play our stuff. One thing I love, though, we had the mentality that I don't care how many people we have. You know, the quality is what truly matters. And we held our own. Every time we played somebody, we held our own. We felt like we could go up against anybody. I don't care how many people you have. So I would say Morris Brown, definitely. Morehouse was almost like a, these, these my brothers. You know what I'm saying? It was just like a sibling rivalry. So we're not going, it's not going to be like cutthroat, but we're going to get in there and talk junk before the game. It, it just, it wasn't quite like the rivalry with Morris Brown. 
Okay. So drum major. So you didn't get to become drum major in high school. You know, what made you want to do it in college? And what was that process like? Like, did you audition or did, were you appointed? Uh, yes and yes. Um, so I auditioned my junior, well, you know, with music majors, you'd be there five years. So I don't, yeah. my June, first junior year, I guess. Third um, year. My third year there, I, um, I actually auditioned for a drum major and I didn't get drum major. I got student director again, huh? you know, mm -hmm. but then my fifth year, going into my fifth year, the drum majors that were selected were ineligible to March and we didn't find it out until the week of the first game. So Mr. Young called me in the office. I was on, had my baritone ready, getting ready for the first show. He called me in the office. He said, look, we need a drum major. I was like, okay, <laughs> to do what? I mean, like, for when? You know, when, when, when are you trying to have a drum major? He's like, we, he explained what happened. We need somebody on the stick, like, now. So I went in with my baritone and I walked out with a mace. So I was just as shocked as the rest of the band. And it didn't register right away, but I was like, is this really happening? So I was technically appointed right before the, first, the week of the first game. So that's how it happened. That is insane. <laughs> is <laughs> I was insane. not expecting that. <laughs> but that's a really cool story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you did you so were you the first woman drum major at Clark? I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. Jolene Butts Freeman was the first. And there were about three or four after her. Okay. So when was the first woman? Like wait, what year was it? Eighty something. I don't want to mess that up. Okay. But eighty something. Okay. So you got, okay, you all had a, a good history of, of female drum majors. That's cool. Yeah. And they were scattered too. So that's why it almost felt to people like, wait, you're the first one. I was like, no, in your lifetime, probably <laughs> like, <laughs> like in your experience here at Clark, I'm the first, but mm -hmm. yeah, I wasn't the first. So did you come up with, or did you happen to experience any kind of conflict Ooh, as honey. a major because... Like, were you not taken seriously? Did people try to pull stuff over on you? Honey, that was it. Especially because I was appointed. And so many people were, you know, you typically had to audition. And then it happened so fast. It was like, well, why you ain't consider nobody else? You know, he straight up was like, I think you're the best person for the job. Boom, here you go. I was like, oh my gosh, can you tell everybody else that? Because this is going to be so awkward, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I walked out. Um, there were several times physically where I feel like guys were trying to be like, you can't do more push-ups than I can kind of thing. So I would push and push myself to make sure that I physically you couldn't. I mean, I, I'm not going to be as strong as everybody in the band, but most drum majors probably don't. Well, if I was a guy, it probably wouldn't have been like that either. But I, I would never, ever let that kind of stuff affect my position. I, I think that was the biggest thing, though. The people feeling like I should have been it, you know, instead of you. Or, you know, girls 
can't do what guys can do. But I think I did a pretty good job. I ain't gonna lie. You know. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I know one thing. There was like a lot of, I guess, pushback with other guys, like guys from other schools. I can't remember. Oh, Texas Southern. That's what it was. We went okay. to the game, or we because we went there, we met up at like a hotel, and everybody knew people from the other band and whatever. And it it almost felt like, and they may not have done it intentionally, but it felt like the drum majors were kind of like, "Oh, you're the drum major? Oh, okay, cool." You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you you don't appear to be a drum major. But after the game, I felt like you know how you can just look into somebody's face and see that acknowledgement. Like that was good. Yeah, that's what I felt when we came off the field. Okay. So. Good. All right. So let's talk about drumline. Now, <laughs> for those that don't know, my girl Latoya makes a good old appearance in the movie Drumline. And if you look at the dance party scene and you have on the SAI shirt, uh-huh. shirt, and it's dan- you're dancing with TJ. Well, I call him TJ. I think yes. people didn't know. Yeah. With Thomas Warner, who was drum major at Morris Brown, he had on the KK Slide shirt. So tell me about the filming of of Drumline. Like, what was that like? It was really good. There were some challenges, obviously, but like, I think the early morning shoots or being on set for a really long time, it's just, you're just, you just weren't used to it before. But I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. The only time you can see me is the, is the party scene. So I was so glad that I actually went. They kind of, with those scenes, they would put like a call out, hey, we need some band people. Or we need not band people, but we need some extra people for this scene. If you're available on Thursday at this time, meet here. And then, you know, you can be a part of the scene. That's kind of how that party scene happened. It wasn't like... I need you, you, you to come. It was like, whoever's available, come do this party scene. I was so glad I was in it. And it was funny because I would, I was trailing Nick Cannon <laughs> around the room. So if he's over here on the left, I would be dancing there. And then he moved and got another angle. I would go over there too. They had to be like, um, you got to stay in your place or it's going to look awkward. You know, I just want to make sure I get some camera time. Okay. Um, but I can't believe that it was it was 18 years ago. I mean, I, I, I you know that memory on my Facebook page just came up with Orlando Jones when Mike and I went to um, New York for the press junkets. We got to interview them. I can't believe it was 18 years ago. I just I just can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, like it's I, a whole adult. Like you know. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that, but I, I mean, it makes sense. It's just yeah. hard hearing that number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. So you've gone on to be a successful band director and tell me, you know, were you teaching on the high school level, middle school? All of it. Oh. Um, <laughs> I actually taught at Clark when, so I left Clark Atlanta and went to Tennessee State to get my master's. Yes, um, yes, I remember that now. Okay, my bad. Um, and I was a graduate assistant there. So I helped with the band program as part of my 
assistantship. But once I graduated from TSU, Mr. Young knew he was leaving and was like, hey, I want you to come to Clark. But when I got, I guess, as an assistant, you're almost like a parapro or they pay you as a parapro. It's not really full time, even though there's no way an assistant band director can be part time. <laughs> so I was I was psycho. I was working as the assistant band director at Clark Atlanta and a middle school band director in DeKalb County at the same time. I think I, I think I remember that it's it's fuzzy to me, but I I feel like I remember that. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty tough because to me. Um, my perspective was Clark is my my main job and the DeKalb County thing is like what I'm doing on the side to be able to pay my bills. But technically DeKalb County or the middle school was my full time job, you know, and if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. So it was hard. It was challenging to because I worked literally all day long, but I wanted to work on a collegiate level. So I did CAU for that uh, for two years. And then it was, I had my daughter in 06. So I was like, I just won't be able to balance all of this at the same time. Um, right. That's when I went and became a high school director at Lovejoy in Clayton County. So that started my high school band director career, which is funny because I didn't want to be like a head director. I was cool being an assistant. Like I didn't want the responsibility. <laughs> No, he's in charge. He's in charge. I'll just do all the fun stuff like music and marching. So I did do that for a, a minute um, and I was content. And then it was just like, it was destined, you know, you got to have your program. So I had, I taught high school and middle school. And then I went to elementary about five or six years ago when I had my third kid. And I was like, I, can, I definitely can do the high school band director thing. Right. And now you've done a career pivot. Big time, Ooh, right? honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, talk a little bit about your, your business now, because I know you started a new business right. for, for parents, right? Right. So um, I will tell you, it. I'm probably all over the place right now. It started because I got a confirmation that it was time to stop teaching. Not necessarily altogether, but public education. And uh, COVID and some of the policies in education definitely helped with that decision. But my oldest daughter is an actress. Um, she's on Nickelodeon and she's done a couple movies. And her career is really starting to take off. Uh, it started about three years ago where I was still working in public education, um, but I was balancing that all three of my kids and her career as her mom, of course, I had to be her manager. And it, it was a lot when she didn't book anything major. So when she booked Nickelodeon and had all of the responsibilities, it, it was almost impossible to manage everything. So when this school year started, it, it kind of made it easier for me um, when they were like, get in there and teach the kids basically put your life on the line. I don't really care. You know, <laughs> we need you in here. Mm -hmm. It was, that was the point for me. So I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I needed to do something to pay bills. Um, and some, a lot of people kept asking me like, well, what do you do? What did you do for your daughter to get her started? I don't know. I don't know where to start basically. So I created a course for parents who don't know where to start. It's called Steps to Stardom. Um, and it's a full online platform 
where you go through several modules and lessons that teach you how to prepare your kids to get in the TV film industry. So far, I've had about eight students and they seem to really like it. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that this can continue. I've also started with voice acting just to try it out initially, but to bring in some more income as well. So the industry seems to be <laughs> where I'm destined now. Um, and my oldest is also a recording artist. So I'm her <laughs> vocal arranger and that as well. So we busy over here. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So I just, I just have a couple more things I want to ask you. Uh, let me, let me figure out how I want to say this. So, you know, you're taking your daughter on set and all that good stuff. What lessons do you teach her that you might have learned while you were in the band or what, oh, what kind of similarities do you see? Everything. Uh, time management in particular, just being able to handle everything that's thrown at you. I'll give you an example, like social media is like a full-time job. I don't know how people, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know how people do it, like influencers and stuff like that. It is extremely hard, but she's required to post certain things on certain days and you have to do this. You have to do so many stories and make sure if Nickelodeon sends you this, you put it on your page, you know, so she has to create a schedule every week. Monday, I'm gonna post this TikTok. Tuesday, I'm gonna do this. Wednesday, I'm gonna do this, et cetera. Um, so that's one thing. One thing Mr. Camp did faithfully is write every single thing down. Like you would see like post-its all over his office from stuff that um, he just, I don't wanna forget anything. So everything is gonna be in writing. We do the same thing. It's like, write everything down. They tell you to do this, write it down on your script. Did he ask you to do, don't, don't take it. I, I got it up here. Nope. Put it on paper. What else? I mean, it's a ton. <laughs> like, yeah. The, the friendships that you make. That's enough. Mr. Camp seems to be, he, he must be on my heart today. He always talked about how you got to surround, your friends have to basically compliment you where you are weak that should be their strength you don't want to if you bad at math you don't want a bunch of friends that are bad at math that's probably mm -hmm. a bad example but you know what i'm saying have people who are surrounding you who compliment you and in the industry you can't trust anybody like it is it is sad it's truly sad that people for kids especially they will step on your kid to make sure their kid gets the spotlight or i don't care if i throw you under the bus i don't care if you're 12. i'm gonna throw you under the bus so that i can do my thing it's it's ridiculous you know what i mean so i we've learned how to i guess read people you know, do these people truly compliment you? Do these people share the same values that you do? Are these people, like, do they go to church, you know, or do they pray? Do they believe in God? You know, those kind of things I learned from being in the band, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, those things I teach my students all the time. I was like, why are you hanging with her? 
You know what I'm saying? She she goes to the ISS room all the time. Is that something that you know what I mean? Is that something that you want to associate yourself with? Is that something you see for yourself? Well, no. Well, then you gotta. You know what I'm saying? You gotta you gotta choose your friends wisely. Doesn't mean don't be nice to her. Doesn't mean you can't say hey, how you doing or whatever. But that can't be your best friend if y'all don't share the same. Now, if you want to go to ISS with her, then two peas in a pod. But that's what I've been trying to teach her, especially maneuvering through the the industry. Wow. So I'm so glad that you were able to like teach her some things that you learned, like being at Clark and everything. So I just have one more thing I want to ask you. Is there any advice you want to give to somebody or any like parting words that are on your heart about your experience marching at, at Clark? Just one thing, huh? Um, if I was talking to, let's say, uh, um, somebody who's trying to decide whether or not they're going to be in the band or go to an HBCU or march in the HBCU band, the most rewarding thing I got from being in the band at Clark was a family. My blood family is amazing. You know, I take nothing from them. But my CAU band family, there's nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it. My Mr. Young is Aria's godfather. <laughs> like, um, that's, yeah. That's cool. Like Shaw, I, I cannot see him for months. And we pop up and it's like we never left. My best friend, Alexis, you know, we walked into the band room in 98 and have been attached at the hip since then. Uh, you know, it's just that that bond is almost impossible to break. Even people who, when I marched in the band, we bumped heads, you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't really messed with you my freshman year. I don't, you know, whatever. At this point, that's still my brother or that's still my sister, you know what I mean? So whatever issues we had in that moment it's done it's kind of like my brothers and sisters i don't like you right now don't talk to me but i'm gonna go to bat for you you know what i mean that bond is absolutely unbreakable and it's the one thing that i absolutely love about my experience being the band the cau okay well, thank you so much for sharing your time and your story with me, friend, friend. <laughs> All right, then. You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. And you can find this podcast on hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.